take a verse and cherry pick it. They do this in a way of kind of bringing the entire context, the entire surrounding idea behind that verse, and they import that entire meaning into that one little line. And so when Matthew says, this is, this is Emmanuel, Jesus is Emmanuel, he's taking all of Isaiah's context in mind. So when Isaiah says, God with us, how does Isaiah view God? As this transcendent king, this holy other king. We look at Emmanuel and we go, oh, such a cute baby. That wasn't Isaiah's impression. He recognized this incredible, transcendent, unrelatable, holy other God who is coming to then dwell with his people. That's huge. And if Isaiah didn't have that in mind, Matthew clearly had that in mind. And it doesn't just stop with Matthew. Paul says later on in, in Philippians 2 that at the end, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You don't do that for buddy Jesus. If Jesus is solely buddy Jesus, you don't get down and worship your friends. Therefore, Jesus cannot solely be buddy Jesus. He also has to be this transcendent king. He's this transcendent king that one day all of creation will fall down and worship before. But it doesn't even stop there because I get some of you could even still be thinking, okay, but you know, the Trinity, how does that work? How do we know it's actually Jesus and not just the Father? And maybe Jesus is off to the right side. I know passages about Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. John, in the book of Revelation, okay, the book of Revelation has another throne room image. In chapter 4 and chapter 5 of the book of Revelation, every time, well, this is just a general rule for Revelation, you got to understand that when we read Revelation, everything we read is steeped in the Old Testament. Any word, any phrase, anything, it's John reaching deep into the Old Testament and pulling on a reservoir. So when we say, or when we read in Revelation 4 and 5, that we're in the throne room of God, and we're standing before the transcendent, all-powerful deity, John has Isaiah 6 in mind, clearly. And so flip with me to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. I don't know the page off the top of my head. I apologize for that. 863, Revelation 4, on page 863 in your pew Bible. This is the throne room of God one more time. And if we read chapter 4, we're going to find that John himself is transported into this throne room and we're given even greater detail. The roads and the, the, the walls, their jasper and the ceiling, like all this stuff. There's all sorts of beautiful colors and imagery. I'll let you read that later. And then it turns out that in the room, the throne room of God, there's obviously a giant throne where the king is seated and around him is 24 elders, 12 on each side. And, on the, and then the elders, and then there's these heavenly creatures again that are flying, and they're kind of weird in their face. They got eyes all over them and stuff. And they again sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And apparently at this point, they change the song, and they sing, who was, who is, and is to come. And these creatures sing day after day after day. And then we get to Revelation 5. And it says, Then I saw in the right hand of him 
who sat on the throne, a scroll with writing on both sides, sealed with seven seals. Verse 2, And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside of it. And so I wept and I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside of it. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. He has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll with its seven seals. That's Isaiah language, by the way. Lion of the tribe of Judah, root of David. Six. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders, and the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which had seven spirits of God. Look, if you think you understand what that means, you're wrong. Nobody knows what that means, okay? <laughs> the picture's just kind of weird. But the key is verse 7. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each had one harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the people. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. And it goes on and on about this. And this is the intro to the book of Revelation and everything that unfolds happens from here. But the key here, look at verse six. Where is the lamb? Is he off to the side? Is he you know, in the back, standing on the throne, standing at the center of the throne. The lamb is on the throne. So when we read Isaiah 6 and we see all these talks about Jesus in the New Testament, then we come to Revelation and we read in the final hours where Jesus is right now as he is seated at the right hand of the Father. That means he is on the throne. In other words, this is Jesus. This transcendent God that we read about is the same baby that comes to us. This is the same God that Isaiah fell speechless before. The same God who came to dwell among us. The same God who died for you and me. The same God who welcomes you into his family, who invites you to be his children, to be his son and his daughter. The same God who through the inspiration of scripture continues to reveal to us what it means to truly live. It is that same God who, will who is enthroned in heaven, who sits on the throne and is worthy of our worship. Brothers and sisters, this is the baby. The baby is not solely Buddy Jesus. He's not solely someone we reason with. He invites us to that. It is true. He invites us to know him and to talk to him and to cry and to, to sit in his presence. And he doesn't just say, come to me. This is the God who is imminent. He's the one that draws near to us. It is so true. And at Christmas, that's what we celebrate is that God has come to be near us but don't take this baby for granted. Don't take this baby for granted. Don't take this cross for granted. You gotta understand, this wasn't just a man. 
This was the king. This is the I am. And so as we get into the new year, as we're looking at this, and you're thinking, oh, well, what do I do with this? My sole goal today was to enhance your perspective of God. All I mean by that is when you pray, take half a second to realize who you're praying to and where he is. He's in the throne room. He is on the throne. He is wholly other. He is not someone you take lightly. At the same time, he calls you his child, his son, and his daughter. And like every good parent, he loves it when children come running to him. Brothers and sisters, behold your king. Let's pray. Holy God, there are a few times in my life where I am speechless. Lord, we recognize who you are. You are the King of Kings. You are holy other. You are above all of creation. You are great and you are good. Along with Isaiah, I cannot help but right now be overwhelmed and want to profess I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Lord, I am not worthy of you. I am not worthy of being in your presence. I am not worthy of being called your child. I am not worthy of talking to you. Holy God, I pray that as you sent your seraphs to cauterize Isaiah's own wounds so that he may speak, Lord, that you would do the same to our hearts. Lord, as we enter into a time of confession, a time of, uh, of, of even dedication and, and baptism, um, that we would be reminded of our own baptism, reminded that through your son we have died. The old is gone, the new has come, and because of that and only because of that are we worthy of even talking to you. But because of that and only because of that, Lord, do you invite us to be your sons and your daughters? Are we invited into a relationship with you? Are we invited to proclaim your glory as the seraphs and the cherubim do? Holy God, may you continue to shape our thoughts. Lord, we confess that we have reasoned with your son. We have tried to convince him of our busy schedules. We have tried to argue with you. We confess. Help us as we move into this new year. Help us as we move out today. Help us as we continue in our time of worship to appreciate who you are.
the God who draws near and at the same time should terrify us in some way because of how holy and how good and how amazing you are. Lord, we don't use this word lightly, but you are awesome. All praise be to you. Amen.